Democratic candidate for crotchety old President Bernie Sanders has unleashed a blistering attack against Hillary Clinton. Sanders told the cheering crowd, quote, if that sassy little whippersnapper thinks she's going to go gallivanting right to the whatchamacallit and win the thingamabob, she's got another think coming. After our tremendous victory in that last state, whatever it was, we plan to show that little missy that I wasn't born yesterday, no sorry, Bob. Sanders went on to say, quote, by Jimbo, why in tarnation can't the Democratic Party get some fresh ideas? Like this socialism palaver I've been hearing so much about lately. I'm going to have to get my old friend Carl to come around and explain it to you folks. Haven't been able to get Carl on the phone lately, but soon as I do, why he'll come on by and explain to you how well this socialism dodge is working in the Soviet Union. There's the future for you, and by gum, hold the phone, it really works, unquote. Former corrupt Secretary of State Hillary Clinton responded to Sanders' attacks by unleashing an army of winged monkeys against him, shouting, Fly, my superdelegates! Fly! Fly! What good is having a crooked party machine if we can't even crush a doddering old man in the, the grinding gears of our collective dishonesty? But Mrs. Clinton's electoral troubles continued when she appeared on CBS TV's Face the Nation and came under an unrelenting interrogation from host John Dickerson, who asked her flat out and without pulling any punches, quote, Mrs. Clinton, you're so smart and elegant and have such a long and inspiring career in public service. Many of our viewers would like to know how meaningful is it to you that your beloved daughter has brought a new and blessed life into the world, an innocent little babe whose fragile hopes and dreams could so easily be shattered by hateful Republicans. Republican policies. Reeling under the harsh questioning, Mrs. Clinton admitted exclusively to Dickerson that she would indeed fear for her grandchild's future under a Trump administration. She said, quote, Trump is always going around saying he's such a great deal maker. Well, when the Russians wanted to take control of Canadian uranium mines that supply 20 percent of our nation's uranium, I squeezed those Ruskies for more than two and a third million dollars in contributions to my foundation and another half million dollars in speaking fees to my husband before I would agree to abuse my position as secretary of state to get them the approvals they needed. So who's the big deal maker now? Tell me that. Clinton went on to describe Donald Trump as a bigot who devoured the flesh of living children. Trump responded by saying, quote, all crooked Hillary has got to run on is the me being a bigot and devouring children card. I love children, especially the Mexican ones. They're the spiciest. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. All right, we're going, we're going home early today, folks. I got, got through that in only like 15 takes. This, I don't know what it has been this week. I think I'm just giddy, you know, I think as the world spirals into more and more insanity. I don't have to write satire anymore. I just come in and report the news, and it's so funny. All right, as we speak, as we are sitting here speaking to one another, they are Donald Trump. And Paul Ryan are meeting to work out their differences. I think the way they do that, they take a bandana and each one holds an end in his teeth and then they dance around with stilettos and cut each other to pieces. So come back on Monday, you know, and if you subscribe, you'll be able to watch that. You can only hear the, you'll only hear the screams if you don't subscribe. But if you subscribe, you can not only watch, but also send us, you can communicate with us and we will bring your questions on the mailbag and all things will be answered. We did the, that was a good mailbag, right? Yeah. We did the free, yeah, okay. So we answered all your questions and now you have no problems anymore. <laughs> they'll, they'll build up over the week though. So, so subscribe and send your, send your messages in. All right. So Donald Trump is going in. Now there's a new poll out. This is really important. Keep this in mind. Donald Trump is going in to speak to Paul Ryan. And the idea is somehow they try to unify the party if they can, or some kind of unity, some kind of, some kind of end to the civil war that's going on. Meanwhile, there's a poll out, new poll out from Reuters. Donald Trump's support has surged 
and he is now running nearly even with Democrat Hillary Clinton among likely U.S. voters, a dramatic turnaround since he became the Republican Party's presumptive presidential nominee, according to a Reuters Ipsos poll released on Wednesday. The results could signal a close fight between the two likely White House rivals as Americans make up their minds ahead of the November 8th election to succeed Democratic President Barack Obama. In the most recent survey, 41% of likely voters supported Clinton and 40% backed Trump. So that's virtually no difference. Now, huge undecided, 19% not decided on either yet, but that's because everybody hates them both so much. And those are the people who just may not even come into it at all. But that is so close. Okay, keep that poll in mind as we're talking about Trump and Ryan, because it, it, it really says something important, and we'll get back to it. So Paul Ryan, right, Speaker of the House, and remember how Ryan got there, because Boehner was thrown out. Everybody hated Boehner. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I was not a Boehner fan. I did not like Boehner. But Boehner did some good things, right? Boehner herded the cats, and he kept any Republican. There's no Republican fingerprint on Obamacare. And Obamacare is tanking. I don't care how they're covering it. They're covering this up. It is going down the drain. They can't sustain itself. And what the Democrats are hoping is, oh, good, well, we'll parlay that into single-payer government health care, and maybe they will. But it's a complete failure, like everything Barack Obama has touched. I mean, is, it really is the emperor's new clothes. I mean, this guy, everything he touches turns to crap. And, and then the press dances around the crap and says, oh, hell, that's the most wonderful crap I've ever seen, you know. So this, this is the Obama presidency, complete failure. It's a complete failure, but nobody wants to say. So Boehner, the, you know, he did, the one, big thing about Boehner that people hated was he... He was a collegial guy. He was in the old style of the House of Representatives. You make deals, you shake hands, you may fight on the, on the uh, floor of the Congress, but then you go out and have a drink with Obama, have a drink with Nancy Pelosi, it's all fine. This drove the base nuts. And essentially, he was a collegial guy in a time of ideology. And he didn't understand, I think, that Obama is a pure ideologue. And he kept saying, you know, he made a deal and then he changed his mind. Well, he was a, he's a liar. Obama lies. And he lies for, out of his ideology. To get his, to get his ideology into play, he will say and do anything. And Boehner didn't seem to respond to that. And he wouldn't shut down the government. He wouldn't shut it down over Obamacare. And he wouldn't shut it down over uh, Planned Parenthood. And so the talk radio guys, you know, the, the commentators are out there going, you know, what, why doesn't he shut down the, the government? Why doesn't, and he doesn't shut down the government because it means people will lose elections. And if they lose elections, then they're out. So he left. He got sick and tired. Boehner got sick and tired of being picked on by the base. I didn't like him myself. I thought he was a shallow man in a, in a very difficult time. They replaced him with Paul Ryan, who is, I, he is one of my favorite conservatives. I think he's a, you know, he's a wonk. He's a guy who understands that we're in terrible debt, that everything else is not going to matter if we turn into Greece and we're out rioting and we can't get enough, you know, to eat and we can't, and our system isn't working and growth, our growth is so low in this country under Obama. They put him in there, but they didn't put him in there for that. They put him in there because he's an honest guy and people like him. You know, he's a Wisconsin Republican and everybody kind of agrees that he is what he seems to be. There's nothing, you know, there's no scandals, there's no uh, double dealing. So that's why he's there. He's there as an honest broker. All right, so now you bring in Trump, who basically, you know, Ross Douthat wrote a column in the Times today where he talked about what, what Trump means, that during this fight between the base, who wanted everybody to, you know, to go to the wall for every principle, and the establishment, who in part didn't agree, but also was fighting differently, knew that in politics you have to maneuver, you have to compromise. 
Duthat says, beneath the noise of battle, the establishment's leaders and the base's tribunes were often in near agreement on policy. The establishment wanted a more cosmopolitan and compromise-oriented party, and the base wanted a more socially conservative and combative party. But on many issues, they were fighting about how to fight as much as about what specifically to do. Enter Donald Trump, of course, who just blows that all apart. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't celebrate any of the, the values that we hold dear. He's basically a left-winger. He's basically a Democrat with a few. His hard-line policy on immigration is really the big one, That really the big one that people are identifying with. So Trump's idea and the idea of his supporters is that oh, we don't need Ryan. We're reinventing the whole party. We are reinventing the whole party. Ryan may be the best of the old party, but he's still the old party. Here's Ann Coulter speaking in her usual restrained and, you know, uh, <laughs> muted way about Trump going to this meeting. Do we have him? Trump okay. is being unbelievably gracious. He doesn't need to have this meeting. He is the party. He is the heart and soul of the party. Um, and, I mean, I think he could have just said... Um, hope he comes aboard. We're going to have a lot of fun, but if he doesn't, oh well. So, no, I think it's very nice, but I don't think he should waste a lot of time on these meetings going forward. He has a general election to run, but the people are with him, and there's no point in meeting with all these generals without armies. That's that, and Ryan is a general without an army because the base has deserted the Republican Party. And Anne, of course, is passionately in support of Trump because she believes in a higher minimum wage and, uh, you know, higher taxes for rich people and abortion. You know, she said he could abort, have abortions in the Oval Office as far as she was concerned as long as he would build a wall. So, so she's, she's down. She is with Trump. She is with Trump. Now, Trump, meanwhile, is sending all the signals in the world that anybody who trusts anything that he says is ridiculous. I mean, he's talking about you know, one of the big things was this Muslim ban. He was going to ban all Muslims from entering the country, and, and uh, Greta Sustern asked him about it. Here's what he says. Have you decided whether you're back off on the ban? And I realize there's a ban, it was a temporary ban, but with an unlimited, that temporary period would, could go on forever the way it, uh, the way. No, it was never meant to be. I mean, that's why it was temporary. Sure, I'd back off on it. I'd like to back off as soon as possible because, frankly, I would like to see something happen, but we have to be vigilant. There is a radical Islamic uh, terrorism problem that, you know, our president doesn't even want to talk about. All you have to do is take a look at the World Trade Center, take a look at San Bernardino or, or Paris, what a disaster that was, or, and so many other locations. Just last night in Germany, look what happened on the train. And it's a big problem. People will have to solve the problem. But I think by putting together a commission, a group of people that are highly respected in this field, like Rudy and others, I think that could lead to something pretty good. The, the ban, the way it's described, uh, even, even as a temporary ban, would have, for instance, barred uh, Amir Hekmati, the Marine who, uh, who was over in Iran, held prisoner. He wouldn't be able to come back. And the Muslims who are serving in our, in our military overseas, they wouldn't come back. No, they would all come back. I mean, we have exceptions. And again, it's temporary. And ultimately, it's my aim to have it lifted. Now, right now, there is no ban. But I would like to see, there has to be an idea, there has to be something, because there are some pretty bad things going on. And I have Muslim friends, great Muslim friends, who are telling me, you are so right, it's, there's something going on that we have to get to the bottom of. 
You know, this is this is always Trump, Trump's game plan is always the same. He's going to appoint the best people. They're going to have a meeting and they're going to come up with an idea and solve it. And I have Muslim friends. Uh, you know, I, whatever it is, I have Mexican friends. Just once, I would like somebody to ask him to produce one of these friends. These friends. It's like you know, I I have a friend, Casper the Ghost. You know, it's like it's like he's like a kid. He really is. Everything he says is like a ten year old. He's like a ten year old. You know, we're going to have all these people get together. They're going to be so smart and they're going to have a great idea and all this stuff. But basically, the point, the only point, reason I showed so much of that is because he says, oh, it's just a suggestion, just a suggestion. You know, then he goes in and, you know, he, he, he's not going to be held to anything. So there's nothing that he can say to Paul Ryan that Paul Ryan can trust. And that's not the issue. That's not what we're uh, dealing with. Listen to this. You know, this is a question. The question is, right, it's a very simple question. This guy is walking in with all these votes behind him. He is the guy who got elected. You can say it's only 40% of the people who showed up. It was only 40% of the party or 40% of the people who showed up for the primaries. But he won. He beat 16, 17 other people, and they were all the people that the establishment supported. So he is walking in with that power. He has got the power of the nomination. What Ryan has got is this party, and Ann Coulter's wrong. I mean, he's not a, a general without an army. He's not a general at all. He is the highest-ranking Republican party, and the Republican machine is still where the money, a lot of the money is going to come from and a lot of the support. If it completely deserted Trump, which it won't, but if it completely deserted Trump, he, he would have a much, much harder time. So... Tucker Carlson and Steve Hayes, both good conservatives. I know Steve, a great guy. You know these are and Hayes hates Trump. He just hates Trump, and so they get they're on the, one of the Fox panels, and they get in this argument. And what Carlson says is, you know, the establishment did not respond to the, what the people care about. This thing with people coming into the country, this illegal immigration, and the enforced immigration of Muslims, and Trump at least listened to the people. He at least heard the people. Hayes's answer to this is one of my favorite responses, on, certainly this week, one of the best pieces of commentary this week. So listen to this argument between the two. There was a, a series of polls in swing states done last week on how do you feel about a temporary ban on Muslim immigration. Everyone in D.C. is horrified by the idea. It's like evidence of membership of the Nazi party. And yet, across the country, huge numbers of people, 65% of Wisconsin voters favor that. Not all Republicans, a lot of Democrats. It doesn't mean you should back it. It does mean you need to rethink your comfortable assumptions about immigration if you're the Republican Party. Sure, but if you have principles, if you believe that, that we shouldn't, you What's know, in effect, ban a, ban a religion, don't, don't ban a religion. You know, it's not, it's, in a country founded on freedom of religion, it's not a good idea a to little, ban a religion. It's a little more complex Even than with that. asterisks. No. Republicans can't just cast then aside their the principles. Answer? And no free trade because that. Donald Trump comes around and, you know, this orange guy suggests that free trade is bad. We're going to throw away 300 years of I've been here a long time. Smith. I haven't noticed a lot of principles among Republicans in Washington. Perhaps they're there. They're, they're hiding them well. I would just say, look at Europe. Look at the destruction of Europe underway now. What are the lessons we draw? It doesn't mean you need to ban people who are Muslims. I agree. That's an overstatement and kind of crazy. But it does mean keeping your immigration regime the same in the face no, of what's no, happening no, but I, is equally crazy. No, I, I agree with you entirely. I think need, they need to respond to this. Clearly, there's and they haven't. They refuse said. to. But, but, if, but if you make the argument, you're not making it, others have made it, that they just cast aside these pillars of conservatism but open because they're unpopular of because, of, because Donald Trump is making certain arguments about trade and about other things. I think that's unwise. And I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing this resistance from some people. They don't want to support somebody who opposes the things that they fought for and held most dear for years. I just love that line. You're going to throw away your principles for some orange guy? <laughs> just because an orange guy comes along? <laughs> like there have been no primaries. You just throw your principles away for an orange guy? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, just, I just love that piece of... But you know... 
Hayes is great, and he's incredibly smart and very, very principled. But I think he's wrong here. You know, I think he's wrong. Immigration, let's take, first of all, illegal immigration from Mexico. Set aside the fact that it's bad for the poorest workers in our country to have people coming in who can undercut them from nowhere. Set aside the fact that we need security on our border because we're under attack from Muslims and from other people who just want to walk in. They, you know, you can't leave your border open. The border defines the country. All that aside, it's an offense to the heart of a people to have their laws mocked by other people, just to have their laws thrown in their faces like we have no right to a border. Essentially, Mexico has almost said that. Some of their people have almost, you have no right to a border. What do you mean, border? You know, you walk into Mexico, step across the Mexico border and see what happens to you. You know, I mean, they will throw you in a prison like nothing we have in America. They'll throw you in a prison that's out of, you know, silence of the lambs if you step over their border. Every country has a border. It's offensive. It's offensive to people's hearts. It's offensive to people's sense of justice. You know, when people talk about the death penalty and they talk about whether um, the death penalty stops crime, the thing is there are some crimes that need to be answered with the, the harshest pen penalty imaginable simply to put the balance back into the world. And it throws things out of balance when people do this. And as for the Muslims, <clears throat> when you say, when you immediately go to freedom of religion, just because something's a religion doesn't mean it's covered. You know, you call anything a religion. If there was a country called Nazi land and the religion there was Nazi and people came over and said, well, you can't, you know, my religion is Nazi. Well, I'm sorry. That's a bad religion. You know, there are some religions that transgress what we mean by religion. What we mean by religion is something that lifts us to a higher standard above the standards of success and um, practicality that government deals with, we understand that God sometimes has an argument that trumps those arguments. It's not an argument below those arguments. If your religion is taking us below the standards of humanity, that's not covered. It's not covered. And so there are questions about Islam and, and the way it works in the world. And what Carlson is saying is right. These guys did not respond. They did not respond to very natural, very reasonable concerns about immigration that went far beyond naturalism nationalism, and they didn't respond to the fact that Obama can't even mention the word Islam. He can't even mention the word Islam and terrorism together, and Trump is doing that. So what can possibly come out of this meeting, okay? We have one side that says, we don't need Paul Ryan, and the other side that says, well, how can we let go of our principles and support Donald Trump? Well, interestingly, a pillar of the establishment press, Dan Henninger in today's Wall Street Journal, he sees a way forward, all right? He says, the current narrative holds that the Ryan agenda and the Trump candidacy are irreconcilable, especially on immigration and trade. At bottom, though, I think both men want the same thing. They want to restore economic growth. Both men understand that Barack Obama's seven years of zero to two percent growth is killing the American public. I mean, the American growth should be twice, should be at least four percent. OK, this is the first time that's that, that eight years have gone by without those numbers. Reversing that Obama economic legacy is essentially the only thing Paul Ryan thinks about. That's what he wakes up. That's what wakes that guy out of, gets that guy out of bed in the morning. It is the reality that has made Donald Trump the party's presumptive nominee. The differences on trade and immigration matter, but even here, both men recognize that horrible growth has made productive thought on either subject virtually impossible. And both know that if growth doesn't get better, whoever wins in November will be a one-term president. Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, the Democratic Party's figures, have given up on growth and now propose to anesthetize the American people to the Obama reality with the narcotic of free hands. 
handouts. That's what all that free stuff is about. It's so we can continue to go into debt without you feeling it until we're greased, and, you know, until we're done. That's basically what they're doing. They're cushioning our fall. Neither, says Henniger, neither the entrepreneur businessman Trump nor the Reaganite speaker Ryan is ready to throw in the towel. Thursday summit could be the beginning of a useful, if not beautiful, relationship. Really, really interesting idea that these two guys can agree that we have to have growth. You know, because growth would solve a lot of our debt problems. Enough growth, if we pulled off some of the regulations and taxes that slow down growth, enough growth can actually solve a lot of our debt problems and solve a lot of our entitlement problems, because that's where the money comes from, obviously. Now, earlier this week, I indicted Donald Trump on five counts. And, of course, I heard exactly what I expected to hear. A lot of people say, no, 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 because Hillary Clinton is just as bad. And here's, here was my point, and I'm going to repeat it, because it has, it has nothing to do with these things that we've just been talking about. Nothing to do with policy. has nothing to do with trade. It has nothing to do with immigration. All those things can be discussed endlessly. It has to do with violence. And I want to read you a passage from Ayn Rand about this because, I, you know, I don't always agree with Ayn Rand. I never agree with Ayn Rand on uh, aesthetics and on more actual uh, morality. But on politics and economics, I agree with her almost all the time. And here's what she says. This is most of my indictments, almost all five of my indictments, had to do with the fact that Trump is violent and he condones violence and he encourages people who believe in violence. Here's Ayn Rand. Whatever may be open to disagreement, there is one act of evil that may not the act that no man may commit against others and no man may sanction or forgive. So long as men desire to live together, no man may initiate, do you hear me, no man may start the use of physical force against others. To interpose the threat of physical destruction between a man and his perception of reality is to negate and paralyze his means of survival. To force him to act against his own judgment is like forcing him to act against his own sight. Whoever, to whatever purpose or extent, initiates the use of force is a killer acting on the premise of death in a manner wider than murder, the premise of destroying man's capacity to live. Do not... Open your mouth to tell me that your mind has convinced you of your right to force my mind. Force and mind are opposites. Morality ends where a gun begins. And so that's why these are we're looking at two separate things. We're looking at a par party politics that can, it's going to be smoothed out. Part, this party politics stuff is going to be smoothed out. Donald Trump is going to say something that Ryan can use as a fig leaf, and Ryan is going to support him in a quiet way, and he'll have his reservations, and he'll speak for his thing. That's how politics works. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I know that, you know, commentators are always saying, you know, you've got to be pure, you've got to be pure. I hear commentators say, he's just trying to get reelected. Well, guess what happens to him if he doesn't get reelected? He becomes a commentator. You know, in order to have power, Paul Ryan has to compromise. You know, this is, this is an important thing. American politics is not a battle between demons and angels for the throne of God, okay? It's just a discussion between people of varying degrees of flawedness about how we run the country, how you run the government so other people can, can preach God and do the things that are important. There's got to be compromise. I know it drives the base crazy, but it's got to be. What we're seeing, though, what we're seeing about Donald Trump is, it's true, this absolute disgust with the establishment, okay? Which brings me back to this poll. Because polls that right at this minute don't tell us everything, but they tell us something. And if Donald Trump has a chance of winning. If he comes anywhere near winning, okay, it is a complete rebuke 
to the left-wing establishment press that has been telling us that the world is a certain way. It tells us women want to hear certain things. It tells us minorities want to hear certain things. It tells us the demographics favor the Democrat Party. It, it has been telling us all these things, and Donald Trump has been saying, no, it it isn't. No, it's not this way. And I think the most important thing that it shows is if Donald Trump's nomination shows how much we hated the Republican establishment, whether rightly or wrongly, it shows that people just hated the Republican establishment. If he wins, if he comes anywhere close to winning, it shows how much we hate our press. Our press is just dishonest, and it's despicable, and it's corrupt, and it really is. And that doesn't mean each individual is despicable and corrupt. It means as an organization, the media has become corrupt. I want to show you just like what is happening on the Democrat side for a minute. This slavish devotion to this corrupt hag, Hillary Clinton, is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And now the, the media narrative is that Bernie Sanders, who's winning and winning and winning, who has a better chance, according to the polls, of beating Donald Trump, not much better, it's really statistically meaningless, but still better, the beating Donald Trump than Hillary Clinton. The idea is that Bernie Sanders should just get out of the way. He is damaging our dear Hillary. Listen to Andrea Mitchell. <laughs> she goes, Andrea Mitchell may be one of the most biased reporters in the country. She reports anything that Republicans do, do with a sad face. It's always, Republicans have done this very sad thing, you know, and that everything she does is like she just can't keep the bias off her voice. And she says to Bernie Sanders, aren't you being, aren't you giving Donald Trump ammunition, you know, if you would just stop running. Here's Sanders' excellent reply. Last I heard, Hillary Clinton is running for president of the United States. I am running for president of the United States. Trump is running for president of the United States. And what a candidate does is make his or her best case to the American people. I have gotten attacked and attacked and attacked. My record has been misinterpreted and lied about. The issue of this campaign is to go out to the American people and talk about why the American people but, are working, are, are struggling. Hillary Clinton has got to make that case. Trump has got to make that case. Sanders has got to make that case. And that's I'm what we intend that, to do. And I know, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Just saying that, 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 sir, I'm just saying that, that Hillary Clinton's, uh, uh, the opposition to her, the negatives against her have been built up by Donald Trump just hammering away at her. And uh, up until now, at least, he has not been going after you as much. Hey, She's Andrea, fighting two Andrea. candidates, and you're fighting oh, one. Oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Andrea, in every state that we have won, in 19 states, we have had to take on the entire Democratic establishment. We've had to take on senators and governors and mayors and members of Congress. That's what we have taken on. So please do not moan to me about Hillary Clinton's problems. So don't moan to me. But that's just what she's doing. She's going, oh, poor Hillary, you're hurting poor Hillary. And he is absolutely right. He is running for president. He has absolute, the absolute right and duty to make his argument. Our media lie. They lie. They, they surround themselves with people who agree with them, which is a radicalizing thing to do when you're only surrounded by people who agree with you. Your opinions become more radical. And virtually every day. Virtually every day, someone writes to me and says, how do we fight back? How do we do this? How do we? Trump has shown the way. I, I, you know, I have to say it. Trump has shown the way. You don't accept their premises. You don't accept that they are honest brokers of information. You don't accept that the people they say are respected are respected. You don't accept that the things they think are 
blasphemy are blasphemy. You know, I mean, Donald Trump says these things about women and everybody goes, oh, women will never vote for him. Women don't care. I mean, I, I think a lot of women hear this stuff and they think, eh, yeah, whatever. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do on trade? You know, it's like it's as if it's as if every woman is this emotional, crazy person who only cares about the personal remarks Donald Trump makes. You know, I mean, women are looking at politics the way men are looking at politics. What are you going to do for my economy? What are you going to do so I can support my family? What are you going to do so the Muslims don't come over and kill me? You know, that's what they're worried about. And Trump knows it. And he's making that argument. So let's let's take a look. We'll end the week We're taking a look at the, Trump's new ad about Hillary and Benghazi. It's pretty, pretty powerful. We've seen rage and violence directed at American embassies over an awful internet video. She lied to me. She told me it was the fault of the video. She said we are going to have the filmmaker arrested who was responsible for the death of your son. So she did say to you that the Benghazi attack was caused by protests. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I don't know why that's funny. You couldn't, if you couldn't see that, that was Hillary laughing over the fires in Benghazi. I mean, it was a hellish scene, and then the slogan at the end is never forget. That's how it's done, folks, and that's how Donald Trump may very well win, and it's going to be fun to watch because it's fun to watch these false gods come toppling down, even if the guy who's bringing them down is a false god himself. So we end the week saying something nice about Donald Trump, that dirt bag. All right, <laughs> stuff, stuff I like. You know, I, I really love country music, and country music has gone off the rails. It's gotten very bad recently. And, you know, there was a transition in country music from Johnny Cash, what you'd call, call hard country, to uh, Tim McGraw, say, which was kind of pop country, and people would complain about it. But I kind of liked it. I thought, you know, I thought it softened it a little bit, but I still liked Tim McGraw and all this. Then it kind of went totally the other way. And the person who, uh, Taylor Swift, kind of represents that. She came out, she had a couple of good pop country songs, Teardrops on My Guitar, I thought was a nice song and all this stuff, and now has gone just completely into the pop world. And, and it's really, it's unlistenable as far as I'm concerned. Some of it is catchy, you know, it's not like, uh, it's not terrible, but it's just like not good stuff. There's a new guy out who is getting a lot of, uh, lot of play on YouTube, Thomas Rhett, who brings us back not to the Johnny Cash days, but to the... Uh, Tim McGraw days, and I think he's pretty good. So take a listen, and we'll come back. Baby, last night was hands down one of the best nights that I've had, no doubt. Between the bottle of wine and the look in your eyes and the Marvin Gaye, then we danced in the dark under September stars in the pouring rain, and I know that I can't. Never tell you enough that all I need in this life is your crazy love. If I never get to see the northern lights, or if I never get to see the Eiffel Tower at night, or if all I got is your hand in my hand, baby, I could die. Not bad. Thomas Rhett, good good stuff. And, uh, you know, and he's got a bunch of other songs on YouTube, and they're, they're all pretty good. All right. 
We made it through another week. Not only did we make it through, we're having the best time. I think we are having the best time on air. I mean, I really do. I think as this country, you know, slowly swirls into madness, we have the exact right attitude. Like, the madness is entertaining. <laughs> we are here to be entertained, and we will be back to be entertained on Monday. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you then. Thank <laughs> you.